that's what lecturing and you know education should be. It's about not just shoving information down people's throats. It's about just giving people the tools to get there on their own. It's about saying, you know, have you considered this? And then you go, no, <laughs> but I'm going to now. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Ready to Redo, where each week we're mixing mediocre humour with the topic of redoing education. Today we're joined by the absolutely incredible Eliza Kelly. Kelly, as I call her, did a Bachelor of Arts at Melbourne Uni, followed by what she's doing currently, a Master's of Geography. We compare my experiences of science with hers of the arts, and we also compare her bachelor's to her master's experience and why we actually need to treat school and bachelor's like a master's. We also talk about the uni arts cuts as made by the government, as well as why we all need to learn how to make our own opinions. As we were recording, Kelly wanted to make a quick disclaimer about the arts and sciences. I just want to make it clear, I I don't want this discussion to be like arts and science. It's all about learning style as well. That's my name. Exactly. It's not a matter of comparing the two and saying one is better, but saying that both have value. Mm. Disclaimer. (laughs) No adventures, please. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I met some really nice people. And for me, that was probably the highlight of my uni experience was meeting people. Um, and being able to, I, I also majored in quite specialized majors. So I did screen and cultural studies and I did geography. So geography, I think there were about a hundred of us and screen and cultural studies, I reckon there were about 50, um, in the whole of the university. So tiny. And so you go into every class after about second year of uni, you knew everyone in your classes. You'd seen them all before. You'd done discussions with them. You'd done projects with them. And so I think I was so lucky that I was able to meet those people. So it, it, your experience was very different from mine because I had such a big cohort. I think one lecture had maybe 300 students. Wow. Yeah, it, I never it, even, I never saw that. <laughs> it was a science degree is actually very broad with, with the majors that I did with physiology. A lot of people actually did that. So mm. every lecture was like jam-packed and there was barely any communication between lecturer and students unless if you really sought them out whereas did you were you on like a first name basis with the lecturers or did you communicate with them much um not so much with the lecturers but definitely with the tutors Mm. so I actually wanted to ask about your tutorial experience because I know that there is quite a difference between arts and science tutorials because I actually did I did a sneaky exchange with one of my friends we did a week where we sat in on each other's Ah. classes and she was doing science and I was doing art and it was weird wait Um, because yeah in in art like all of our shoots are just about having a chat like it's an hour of chat time and you get in and they give you some prompts and you move into table groups and you chat about the prompts and then you all share with the class your ideas and you have the readings for the week so They'll often like create some prompts around those. And so every week you'd kind of gravitate towards the same tables or people that you'd had a good chat with last week. You might see them the next week and be like, you know, sit down next to them. And so by the end of your semester, you kind of had these table groups that you had spent a whole semester talking with. Um, So you got used to it. Whereas I found in the science tutorials, you do a lot of work. We don't do work. (laughs) 
<laughs> Work does not exist in the arts. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Tutes, I remember in first year biology and chemistry, you have a booklet uh, of, of questions that you're supposed to have completed beforehand. And yeah, I know. That sounds and like homework. <laughs> it was homework. It was, you, they gave you like a syllabus or something and then you saw what questions you had to answer or maybe it was afterwards. Oh my God. Whichever, yeah, you just had to complete these questions and you go over them in class or discuss mm. um, concepts. But there was rarely ever discussion, which I find. Wow. Very, yeah, because it, there were questions to answer. So we would just answer them. And it, imagine yeah. just like a, a, a class in high school, sort of you would go through a test or something. Wow. Would, yeah. Yeah. And Whereas, yeah, I had the completely opposite experience, which is just crazy to think. Yeah, we're probably just a classroom across from one another. <laughs> right, but I think that makes it so much more personable, the the fact that you're able to discuss ideas and give your own opinions because I do know that art students are more, you know, eh, I want to, this is my... Oh, we love opinions. We yeah. love them. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's argue about it. What do you think? What do I think? Let's Let's come to like a very heated argument, but... That you did not know, you didn't find that in <laughs> find that in science. Coming out of high school, you're not used to having your opinions drawn on. There's a lot of, you know, in that high school dynamic in classes, where the teacher is talking and you're listening. And then when you get into that first year of uni, and you're suddenly asked to contribute, and you actually, you know, you kind of come to that realization that the tutor aren't the tutor just talking to you. The whole tute is made up of you guys talking. Like the tute is just there to facilitate the discussions. And how did you um, find that transition between being sort of taught at or or given information as opposed to having to now contribute? Yeah, high school wasn't really my my thing. I, I wasn't, I, I didn't really like being talked at or taught at. Um, my preference was always to have contributive learning. Um, so uni, I was really lucky I found my stride. Like. I, it, it worked for me. It was the correct learning style. Um, and I, I, you know, kind of found my place. So I really liked that. But it wasn't for everyone. I know a lot of people who they really struggled with the fact that, you know, there wasn't homework. And if you rocked up to the lecture and you hadn't done the readings, that, that was on you. Like, <laughs> you were going to be behind. And if you rocked up to the lecture, if you didn't rock up to the lecture, no one was going to notice. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, self-directed learning is really hard sometimes. I know it's it's because we don't even have that transition period where we can sort of practice that skill of self-directed learning because teachers would do things for us. They would chase up after us. They would give us extra material and um, give us resources and suggestions and everything. And so we literally got handed everything to us. When we're expected now, I, I mean in arts, in science, not really, but in arts, having your own opinions is so essential and they just expect you now to do it. You know, go for yeah. share what you know. And you're like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know much. <laughs> Other thing that, that has been like the next step for me in masters, see, I'm doing, I'm doing a master's geography at the moment, I'm in my last semester, um, is you are actively expected to fight the lecturer on most oh. things they want you to re like rebut everything so the whole thing is that the readings that they give you are often not what they want you to take on they want to give you that 
and then for you to shred it and be like, that's, that's not what I, I don't agree. And then we will have discussions where we shred the readings. That's um, so good. What, yeah, so it's really of, cool. Um, like, can you give an example of when you had to do that? Yeah, so I've actually, I'm doing a subject really, like at the moment on uh, commu- like science communication. And it's about how we communicate scientific information to people in the hopes that it will uh, result in you know, a better engagement with the scientific community and also scientific information. When we give it to people, we want we expect them to have a certain behaviour change. Example of climate change. We're trying to communicate that information so that people will change their behaviours so that we can solve a problem, etc. So recently, we did a reading on uh, the best way to communicate science. And we did this whole reading about how the best way for scientific information to get into the community is to just educate people, you know, make science compulsory at school, put science in the media, put science in industry, just put science everywhere, and then people will get it. And we did this reading, and I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like, education is always good. You know, I'm down with that. But I got into the tutorial, and oh, my gosh, we shredded this piece. You know, we just, we were talking about how it's actually, you can't just, you know, better you know, information doesn't mean that make people make better decisions. You know, you can't just throw information at people and then expect them to think the same way that you do. It's actually about communicating. It's actually about how you, trans, you know, transmit this information. It's about participating, getting people to actively participate in scientific research and in the scientific community rather than just saying, I think science is good, you need to learn about it. And so I read this reading and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then we got into class and I was like, I stupidly was like, I really liked the reading. And then the tutor was like, no, you didn't. I was like, what? Well, like the thing is you could like the reading, but it, and I don't feel like it's fair to say, okay, no, you're not supposed to enjoy this reading at all. Like, as in you yeah, don't see yeah. any value in the, but it's just that it's not entirely fleshed out and there's more to it. Exactly. But that was the thing. And it shocked me because I was like, I really liked this reading. And then he was like, yeah, okay, now let's, let's just elaborate on that. Like, what did you like about it? And like, we, I went through it. And by the time I'd done that, he'd like, you know, prompted me through everything. I was like, yeah, it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree anymore. Right. And then we spent a yeah, a whole week just like shredding this piece of paper and talking about the alternate like points of view. And the lecturer will also throw you red herrings. He'll be like, I think this. And then he'll just stick it out there. And all of us will be sitting there like, I don't agree. And then none of us will like want to speak up and we'll be like, hey, who's going to take it for the team? <laughs> In school, because everything that they would give us was widely accepted or or it was seen as stuff that you weren't supposed to question because it was what we needed to know for VCE or whatever it was and so you get really good at agreeing with things because what we're given is essentially raw true knowledge and then exactly yeah and so when your you know lecturer or no your tutor gives you like all this information to sort of question we're almost like yeah, well, also like, do I have the authority to do this? Like, this is That's a, a professional academic who's written this paper. Like, and I'm just a student. Like, do I have the authority to be like questioning this information? And at the end of the day, like, it, it's 
it's really interesting reading these papers that, you know, are presenting scientific facts and you get to sit down and be like, I don't like your methodology. I think you have used an incorrect sampling method and I think you have actually biased your results and you're not admitting it. <laughs> so we, I did another subject at uni, which was all about the ethics of science and not just like the ethics of, you know, can we perform experiments on animals and what are the ethics behind that? It was the ethics of publishing papers. It was the ethics of funding behind papers because a lot of papers, you know, are funded by organizations who want you to write a stellar report on them. And it was, you know, all about the ethics of, as people, you know, scientists are people, um, you've written this, spent years writing this paper only to find out that your results are a little bit skewy. So do you forge the results to try and make it work? Um, so we were taught to how to find biases in paper, in papers and where to look for certain things that are often like kind of indicators that someone's doctored their results or someone who's done this in their method that has kind of messed with the paper. So they give you these kind of critical tools and then they give you these papers and you have to kind of sort out which ones are the ones that are legit and which ones are the ones that have been, you know, doctored. Yeah, and I, I, and I would consider it a skill to have an opinion. <laughs> that is actually a skill because, again, we don't really develop it in school. Honestly, we don't. I, I actually yeah, we don't really think of it. Yeah, I was being nice, but no. I, I don't think we do. And you were not allowed to have an opinion at school, right? And then, and then, once you're expected to have an opinion, it's sort of like I want to be accepted within this community of whatever exactly. it is, like classroom. So I don't want to say the wrong thing. What is the wrong thing, though? Uh, I think that even for me, the idea of giving my opinion without knowing what other people think is pretty yeah. scary because then I'm like oh what if mine completely is contradicted by someone else's what if I'm entirely wrong so yeah well that's the, the confidence that you have to like get through um particularly in in your first like year or two or three of uni is a real barrier and I've done it before where I've like all right I'm going to speak up and I've said this thing and the tutor's been like I don't think you did the readings. And I'm like, I don't think I did the readings either, but I was, <laughs> I was just, I was just trying something. <laughs> and it's really awkward sometimes, but you, everyone has a laugh um, and you can kind of, you know, play it off. But it, it can be so intimidating in a classroom of 30 strangers to, you know, be asked, okay, what do you think about this? And a lot of the time you really put yourself down and you don't trust your own opinion. You say, you know, well, in my opinion, um, I mean, I don't have a great a lot of knowledge on this area, but but I think at the end of the day, like any thought you have is valid. It's all worth discussing. And it's also learning is being able to recognize and, and being able to change your opinions. So, you know, mm. you might say, all right, I think this and put it out there. And someone will be like, I actually think that's wrong because of this. And you go, good point. I think that's a really good point you've just made. Yeah. You can leave it at that. <laughs> oh, there was a good quote that... Uh... Okay, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. That's awesome. It's like he just did a mic drop. This guy is from the, when was he born? (laughs) He was born in 1928, legend. Wow. Yeah. That's the other thing. I read this, I read another quote like the other day that just like blew my mind 
which was all about, you know, when it's like 2 a.m., you're about to go to sleep and then you remember something really cringy and embarrassing that you did, like in primary school or high school or whatever. But I read this thing about how doing that, like, don't feel guilty or cringy or embarrassed. Just think about how far you've come. So if you remember something that you said to someone and you regret it, and you know, or you think about an opinion that you used to have and you regret it, don't regret it. Just think about the fact that you've learned and changed as a person. We should never devalue adult learning. We're allowed to have opinions that change. And it's completely acceptable to say that I was wrong. I've changed that opinion. You know, I learned. I, I unlearned what I previously held. I learned new information. Mm. And here I am. <laughs> That's the thing that I think um, is a big thing about arts degrees is they teach you how to think. That's really what they do is they teach you a way to critically think. And they can also give you the confidence to just back yourself in your opinions. Because recently um, the Australian government announced that it was going to cut funding to arts and humanities degrees. I was going to ask you. Oh, I'm angry. Let's talk about (laughs) this. I'm angry. Um, Because... Like, although, you know, we talk about how, you know, arts degrees don't lead to practical skills, there's the, like, running joke that arts degrees lead to being baristas, which is not always untrue, but mm-hmm. um, the whole thing that an arts degree teaches you is how to think and how to be a global citizen, how to articulate yourself, how to have confidence in your writing skills, in your opinions, in your speaking skills. It just teaches you how to be a good thinker. And so I don't know... How they think that's not applicable to business. That is a universal skill. It's applicable in every workplace. All of our prime ministers have arts degrees. You know, we've got Kevin Rudd who was a Rhodes Scholar, like that kind of thing. I, I just find it crazy that we're defunding something that's just so essential to our society. I know, and it's it's that we we view jobs as just the hard skill or the non-emotional side of things. So like business, you got to have business skills. But what is business skills? What is business? What are business skills? <laughs> you have to interact with people. You have to know how to propose new ideas to people in the first place. Sure, you can know the structure of business and that sort of stuff and know how to run a business, but what about the human side of everything? I think it's so crazy that like it's politicians that are making these decisions and it's all of these politicians come from arts degrees. Like they are where they are because of the degree that they've done and they are the way that they speak, the way that they think has been shaped by the education that they had. Um, so then to kind of deny someone else that education just really frustrates me. Particularly it's because... It's not important. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I think also, like, the way that we view productivity as the ultimate, like, goal and the way that we value um, practical skills, which, yeah, I I agree, practical skills are great. But I I think practical skills are wasted if you don't have the theoretical kind of and the the mental backing to use them. Yeah, the university at the master's level makes it really compulsory to be able to communicate your, um, your field. At the end of the day, that is also of it is a benefit to the university because they want you to produce papers that are literate and they want you to produce papers that can communicate effectively. But I wish at the bachelor level they actually took the time to help you to learn how to, you know, critically think and develop those opinions. Because 
at the end of the day, I do have, you know, critiques of the arts degree as well. I wish there were more practical skills in the arts degree because I feel like science is just, you've got all these practical skills, but you don't get the theoretical backing. Arts, you just get the theoretical backing. I've done only two subjects at university that I would say gave me practical skills. And one of them I did at Deakin because I, you know, <laughs> um, I wanted to get some practical skills. <laughs> Interesting. So, so what do you, what is considered practical skills within the arts? So, for example, because uh, I'm kind of sitting between the arts and the science, um, my two practical skills subjects that I've done is one, which is uh, it's called environmental impact uh, statement. Sorry, environmental impact statements. Um, so I've learned how to write those and I've learned how to critique them. And those are just every time a development wants to do anything, um, they have to write an environmental impact statement if you're going to develop something. And so I now know how to do that. Um, and then the other practical skill subject I did was actually <laughs> learning how to fly drones um, <laughs> to map areas. <laughs> so yeah. I did I, I did a drone a drones course at Deakin. Um, I so learned good. how to um, do topographic mapping of different areas to like look at erosion on beaches so you can, right. you know, make different maps, that kind of stuff. But I would call those probably my only two practical skill subjects. The rest right. is I've done a lot of learning. I can tell you a lot about water politics in China. I can tell you a lot about I can tell you a lot about bushfires in Victoria, but practically, I don't know what I could offer to a workplace. Well, I don't so know what I could. With those sort uh, so for example, like take a subject that you did in your bachelor's, what sort of practical things would you have liked to learn about? That's a really good question. I think I would have liked to have done some kind of stuff like I did in my master's with like learning how to write papers that businesses are looking for or learning how to write certain reports, learning how to edit documents, learning how to, because that's where my arts degree is going to lead me, probably. You know, I've got all these skills for writing and report making through my, you know, innately through doing an arts degree. I'd really like to have learned, learning how to practically apply my art skills into an administrative role in a workplace or into, you know, anything. Um, and also, I think getting a better understanding of what roles I could go into, like you kind of get to the end of an arts degree and, you know, I did screen and cultural studies and geography, like from that, and I can make documentaries about nature, but that's like, that's the only thing I could think of, but like combining the two, I have no right. idea where that could lead me. I, I wish I knew my own value because yeah. I, I don't know like what I can offer to a workplace, you know? I like to think I'm, I, I can articulate myself, but I, I don't know how a workplace would, would utilize that. <laughs> it's, it's about sort of that empowerment. Like I, I, I don't really know my own value. So how am I supposed to market myself to a workplace to say I'm valuable? It's about doing more degrees. You do a bachelor's, you do a master's, you do a PhD, you become a postdoc and you write papers. But then um, what, what then? Because you know what? It, it's, Bachelors used to be rare, now it's not. Masters used to yeah. be rare, now it's not. PhDs are becoming, you know, like it's a younger age group who are starting to do PhDs. Yeah. Where do we where do we go on from here? It's <laughs> you know, transcripts yeah. aren't the be all and end all anymore. Academia is kind of a job field in its own right because academia is about contributing to research. That that in itself has its own merit. But I think where we're at at the moment with the degree that you know Melbourne Uni particularly is offering, it's kind of streamlining you towards that, and it's a really inaccessible field. Not everyone can do a PhD. Not everyone should do a PhD. 
Um, not everyone can do a master's, nor, you know, everyone shouldn't do a master's. The fact is there aren't that many positions available in academia. But when you're training up a bachelor course of 14,000 students, you know, a year in arts, and you've only got, you know, three postdoc positions available, like, you've got to kind of meet somewhere in the middle. There has to be some kind of substitute in there to where are the other 13,997 people going to go? <laughs> Hope you're enjoying this episode. Now on to the last part of our conversation with Eliza Kelly. Interesting with the perspective from masters now, bachelors now feels like high school to me. Mm. Where I was just kind of like walking around and the mm. lectures mm. and the lecturers would teach me things and I'd, you know, go do things. And now, you know, I'm in my masters, I have an office at the university now. And I my office is next to, you know, my lecturer's office. What? And you know, I go to the staff room and have coffee and I feel like I'm an imposter because I'm just a student. But, you know, we have our own building and we have, you know, meetings that are just organized. Like, you know, we had a whole school school geography. We had a whole school meeting the other day where we, you know, we have one every Thursday on Zoom where we talk about the faculty and what's happening and that kind of stuff. So you get included. Um, And I think that's the big thing is just being included in everything. And like, to I be given talk. autonomy as well and to Completely. be respected with what you have to offer. Exactly. And, you know, I just did a subject uh, two weeks ago. It was an intensive. And we got to the end of the subject and he was like, so when do you guys want the assignment to be due? Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, um, I mean, you know, I'd like a week to write it and then I'd probably like another week to edit. So, you know, can we make it a two weeks from now? And he was like, yeah, cool. I'll set the date then. And then he's like, and for the final assignment, when do you guys think you'll be able to get that to me? You know, it wasn't like you're doing this and it's due now. Yep. It was. We also wrote the question together oh. because you know he'd written the the question for the first essay. And he was like, "What do you guys think about that?" And we we're all like, "I don't know. I feel like I would like to talk a bit more about this because you know you haven't left us a lot of word count for this section." He was like, "Good point. Um, what about this?" And we were like, "Oh, I think I'd like to do a bit more analysis rather than you know." And he was like, "Cool, cool, okay." And yeah. so we worked on the that that you know, together because we all know how the marketing team works and what he's assessing us on. So we personalised it in a way that we could all answer it. Right. Um, It's the first time I've ever done that, but I was like, this is the way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, I I actually talked to also who was on this podcast called Rick and he was a uni professor, an arts uni professor. And he he emphasised the idea of collaboration with students and mm. and getting them in with the process to he, he actually let them grade themselves at the end that's so cool it was really cool he so he made them get give themselves an a so at the very start of the course it was what does an a look like to you so for example i've never been able to finish an assignment on time it's been so damn hard i always procrastinate my a would be i would be able to have a decked out essay by this time, and I would be so, so happy because I've never done that before. Yeah. As opposed to another student who I think an A for me would be three essays, blah, blah, blah. And so he took that into consideration when he was marking them. That's because, so cool. Right? You are personalizing the experience to each student. You know where they're at. And, yeah. and he also found that because of this, people were very honest with what grades they expected at the very end. Some people would even mark themselves down and say, 
you know what? I actually didn't really try this semester. I should have done more, to be honest. Wow. I got an A, but I feel like I got a B plus to the because they yeah. weren't pressured or they, they felt like they had a choice now. They felt like they were included in the process. The tutors that I've had amazing tutors, like tutors that I have had multiple times and they know me and they know how I write and they know who I am. And so if I say, you know, I need 24 hours, they know that I need 24 hours. <laughs> um, they're the kind of ones that really take the time to get to know you. And that's what I think is so important. And that's what I, what I found when I did this kind of swap over with my friend between arts and science is the arts tutors, what I found is because there's just so much chat and discussion and you're talking and, you, you know, you're expressing your opinions and getting to know one another. By the end of the semester, like you guys know each other. Um, whereas because there's not that collaboration often seen in science, like, you know, you can go a whole semester without really having spoken to your tutor. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. I don't remember any yeah. of them. Really? What, what was there to remember? Because you have an emotional connection through discussing, through sharing opinions. What I've yeah. gotten from it is we answered some questions together. Yeah. There's a huge difference between that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, if you tell me a subject, I'd remember the tutor. Like, and you that's know, how it should be. I can go through all of them learning is a human experience it's not a answer the question pause it's yeah it's much more than that and and to sum up what tutor or lecturer in particular has really stood out to you um I had this this tutor um her name is Alyssa and I've had her three times now and she just she's so engaging she was really interested in all of us as people, you know, she knew all of our names um, and she facilitated these discussions where it wasn't just about her like speaking at us. Um, she facilitated these discussions where, you know, we talk about the readings, for example, which is what most art students are based on, you know, you have your readings, but she'd do a little summary of them just so we were all on the same page. And then she really wanted us to dive in and she'd come around to every table and sit down with us and have a chat and soundboard, you know, kind of ideas. And, you know, she'd, she'd present something else. She'd throw something in there. You know, we'd be having a discussion over here. And she'd go, just what about this? And you'd be like, oh, whoa. And you'd start having a chat about that. And she'd, you know, walk off and, and just, you know, go to the next table. And for me, that was just, that's what tutoring should be. That's what lecturing and, you know, education should be. It's about not just shoving information down people's throats. It's about just giving people the tools to get there on their own. It's about saying, you know, have you considered this? And then you go, no, <laughs> I'm going to now. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. I had it for two subjects at the same time one semester. So I had a, I was doing three subjects that, that semester and I had it for two of them. And um, we would walk into class and we'd see each other and we'd always forget which class we were in. And it was like, an ongoing like in joke that we had because like we'd walk into class and she'd see me and be like oh god am I in the right class like which one am I in <laughs> um uh, so yeah that was just it was awesome we need more Alyssa's we need more Alyssa's Alyssa this one goes out to you yeah, you're awesome this, this podcast is dedicated to you Alyssa if you're watching or listening <laughs> 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. So I hope you enjoyed that Ready to Redo episode. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining me. And if there is an employer around, please hire Kelly because she's goddamn incredible. Awesome. See you guys next week.